The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash. On this week's episode, the CEO of Swedish Stockings, Lynn Frisinger, joins us all the way from Sweden to speak about her company that's recovering fish nets from the oceans and turning them into stockings. Her business model is sustainable, closed loop, and her products are fashionable and good for the environment. Here's my conversation with Lynn. So, Lynn, I bought a pair of your stockings months ago, and Mm -hmm. I wore them six different times. I washed them, um, I think, three or four times since then, and they're in perfect condition. And it's it's so amazing because (laughs) normally when I would buy them at the drugstore here in Canada, I would usually get one wear, like, for a few hours, and then if I put them on again, they would get a hole in them. And so they would have to go Mm -hmm. straight to landfill. So I was very happy that yours have lasted so long. Um, So very good quality stuff. I'm very happy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We're happy as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's always uh, very nice to hear that, of course, we get a lot of great response uh, response on the quality. And and I think that that's the most important thing, because it's never enough to produce something that is just sustainable. And it won't be sustainable if the quality is not good either. So uh, the quality and, yeah, it's, it's the number one for us. Absolutely. How did you get them to be such good quality? Did this take a lot of research and development and many years to get the process right? Well, we are, we are producing them. We are knitting them in a very expensive way, so to say. The knitting process is the reason why they are so strong. We are knitting them in in a way we call 3D, which makes the knitting very tight together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, for example, get a, ra- get, a, get a hole in your toe area, which is the most common place to get a hole, uh, you won't get a ram that easily because it's, it's knitted this way. So actually, the quality is a lot about the knitting process. And we, of course, also, um, well, we are developing them in, Italy's number one factory in terms of quality and design and sustainability. But we also, of course, always look into how can we produce them with even better quality? Can we improve something? Can we do more toe reinforcement, etc.? just to always make sure that they are as good as possible? I think that's a very important thing when it comes to sustainability. It's so easy to just always produce new styles and, and uh, uh, new things all the time. But it's all about also improving current styles, uh, current bestsellers to make them even better. That's so good because there's nothing more frustrating than buying something and then just having to send it to landfill because it doesn't last. But I think as a business, you want to have repeat sales. But I think what I find with your website is that now that I know that your stockings will last, I would probably be Mm. more apt to buy another pair, like another color or another style. And then I would have Mm. a few different ones. So it's not like 
I'm going to buy one pair and never buy from you again, I think. Do you often wonder about that? Yeah, well, of course, we know that this this product, even how good and I mean, the quality, how good it can be, it can never last forever. Mm -hmm. So we know that this is a product that customer will have to keep buying. But what we are trying to do is is producing them as good as we possibly can, both uh, from a quality effective but uh, perspective, but also sustainability perspective. So the customers can be confident knowing that this product is as good as it can be. And also, uh, we started this recycling program so the customers can send the tight stockings, socks, everything back to us when they eventually rip or they get a hole or something. And then you can recycle them there? Uh, yeah, what we do, actually, it's not possible yet to recycle all the stockings into new ones because we can't separate elastan from polyamide. That is something that we are really, really aiming to be able to do in the future, but we are not there quite yet. We are in a lot of different research groups around this uh, area, but we are not there yet. So what we do now is we, uh, instead of just, as you say, throwing them away so they end up on different landfills, we, we take care of them. And at the moment, we are actually melting the stockings down and we use them as filler material in fiber grass tanks. So it's a very, it's a totally different area. Uh, but so, these, uh, these uh, tanks are also made out of petroleum. They are plastic tanks. And instead of uh, producing extra plastic or, uh, yeah, they are filling them up with uh, tides. So around 25% of these uh, tanks are actually made out of old stockings. Uh, so what kind of tanks are they? It's nothing that we use. This is a, a totally different company. They use them for, uh, example, restaurants, tanks that separate the oil from water. Oh. So they are very, very common. And you dig them down under the, the ground. So mm. they're not visible, but uh, they're lasting for very, very long. And instead of them producing extra plastic, we have uh, filled them up with, with our stockings also. And this... This is not our final uh, conclusion of what we should uh, be doing with our tides, of course. But we feel that it's very important to show that we are doing something in the meanwhile. Because sooner or later, we will be able to recycle our stockings and do new ones. And that is, of course, that's our final goal and the destination that we are aiming for. But in the meanwhile, we have to do something. So this is a way of showing our customers that we try to act as sustainable as we can in the current situation. Well, I think that's great. I think it's really cool that you're looking for that next stage, but technically your business is a closed loop system. You're really producing nothing that goes to landfill, which is just so good to see. Yeah, we are trying to. And uh, we also think it's important that, I mean, this is not a glamorous things uh, glamorous thing that we are doing with a with a recycling program and we think that uh, it's important to show just this that it's not glamorous but it's sustainable and we can see that our customers they love to hear these stories and i think that the product today is more about storytelling than just buying a very exclusive brand you want to be able to tell your friends and your families why you're buying this brand and products and uh, then 
it's very important for us as a brand to to, to fill the story with uh, a lot of different great aspects. Well, I thoroughly enjoy telling people about my stockings. It's a well, that, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> and recycled fishnet uh, awesome. as well. Which is a huge yeah. problem in the ocean, actually. It's, mm-hmm. it's That's a leading leading cause of, of plastic and tangling up sea life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So if we can get any of that out of there, that's really good. So how did mm-hmm. how did you get interested in having an environmentally friendly company? Why are these sustainable issues so important to you? Well, I felt actually from the beginning, uh, both for me and Nadia that started the company, I was working back then in the financial business and Nadia, she was working as a journalist in Swedish television. And we saw a documentary film about this problem, how products are being designed in order to age quickly, to boost consumption in society. Of course, we knew that it was, it was nothing new to us, but we haven't really been thinking about stocking as that kind of a product that actually have gone from a top, top quality product back in the 1950s to become women's absolute number one wear and tear clothing item today. And on top of that, that this product is so bad for the environment in, in many different aspects. That for us was kind of new. And we felt that the product itself has really, it's a little bit like the custom from the country, as we say, both in terms of of sustainability uh, and design. If you look at the packaging today, they all, stockings packaging, they all look uh, quite the same, uh, a little bit sexistic, I would say. Uh, they haven't really got a competitor in, in any aspect, we thought. So that was important for us as well. Of course, we felt that we have to be able to do something more sustainable here. Uh, we have coming so far when it comes to food and and, and clothes in general and uh, people are or customers are so much more aware today but just this product was for us nothing that we have been thinking about but when it came to us it was like an aha experience and we felt that oh this is very easy to communicate to other women and also as I said before on top of that we felt that we can do so much more when it comes to quality and design as well. We want to have a fresher look on this product, both in terms of pictures, but also, as you said from the beginning, with the quality. That is also a sustainability factor, of course, to produce something that lasts longer. So for us, or for me, from the very beginning, it was, it was just so it came to me very strong with all these different aspects together. And, and that was like a no-brainer. So I just felt that if I can feel this so strong, I have to be able to also convince other women uh, that this is, is the way we have to go. Yeah, so that's how it works. I bought them without posting anything about them because I just wanted to see, you know, how they were. And I'm I'm just so happy with the quality and your pictures are really great too. So you're mentioning like photos and stuff. So I think they're kind of unique and they're a different take on like, you know, traditional stockings that we see in the drugstore and stuff like that. So your Instagram is wonderful. And you did mention something about packaging and labeling. And that is one of the things I noticed too, when they arrived at my home, that it was very minimal packaging. Um, I think it was all paper. Uh, So how did you Mm -hmm. choose your packaging? 
Well, that is something that we are currently working with a lot because we try, as you say, we try to minimize the packaging as much as, uh, as, much as possible. And they are all SSC certified, which means that they are sustainable. It's a sustainable material for the environment uh, or it ensures that the products are. And uh, we are all... For example, when we send out online packaging, because we have separated this now, so all the online packaging, we're really trying to minimize all the <laughs> all the envelopes that we possibly can. And uh, then we, of course, all the plastic that we have to use are, of course, recycled as well. Unfortunately, we have to have some plastic around them because otherwise we can't guarantee that they will arrive to you in in a, in a okay way. <laughs> But uh, we are looking into this and, and we are trying to, for the future, only pack them in paper, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we have to have this uh, approved from the suppliers uh, because otherwise they don't guarantee the, the quality. So uh, it's an ongoing work for us, I would say. Packaging is very tough. It's very tough, especially for yeah. food producers. They're really struggling. Mm-hmm. Because if you're making single-use food, there's really nothing else to put it in unless you have some sort of returnable container program or you let people bring in their own containers. And people are so scared here in my area of germs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a big problem. They don't want to take, they don't want to touch containers. Well, we are trying to find ways also of how we can reuse the packaging. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because in stores, for example, we have to have packaging to describe the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, which we don't need online because we have already bought the things uh, during our web uh, through our website where you can see what it actually is. So, uh, but for the stores, we are trying to find ways of how we can reuse the packaging again. That's awesome. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of the big solutions, right? Is to just keep reusing things. I mean, not forever, but yeah, you can sometimes get a lot more uses out of them. Very important aspect is also to work harder with the packaging to actually make them very exclusive in a, in a way that they look more exclusive than general packaging do today. Because if they look more exclusive or they are nicer and you actually want to save them, it's an important aspect uh, for the customer if the, if the packaging actually is something that you want to have in your, in your wardrobe, for example, instead of just throwing away. So that's why the packaging for us is so important. I don't know how many times we have changed the design and uh, tried to make them even more, well, nice looking and uh, durable in different uh, retail uh, environments. So yeah, it's a big question. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people do choose these ones over the other ones in the store that are made you know, more environmentally damaging and that will go to landfill and by companies that don't think of sustainability in mind, right? I really love to focus Mm -hmm. on businesses with this podcast because I think businesses are really going to save the world. And I think that businesses are also kind of really hurting the planet with some of their practices. Mm -hmm. So if we can have people like you figure out the way and support that, then we're going to be doing a lot better. So your stockings come from plastic fishnets. Are those recovered from the ocean? Yes, they are. Tell me about that and like how do you get them and 
How do you turn fish nets into fishnet stockings? You actually take up these fishnets from the ocean. They call them ghost nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have probably seen all these horrible pictures of animals that are caught up in this ghost net. So sad. Uh, and then they uh, actually, what they do is that they take out the polyamide from the fishnet to describe it very easily because the fishnet is not only made from polyamide, but a big part of the fishnet is made from polyamide. So this polyamide is taken out from the fishnet and then it's, they melt it down again and produce this mute thread for us. And then they add the elastom. So that, that's the simple way of describing it. It's, of course, a long, long production process, but that's how it works. And uh, for us, uh, we have today three styles that are made from this type of fishnet. And all the other styles are made from recycled nylon from other nylon production so there is not all the styles are not made from this particular fishnet but all styles are made from recycled nylon it's cheap to get these products but it must be quite expensive to actually process them into something you can use yes it's of course more expensive than just produce new uh, material so uh, uh, the production process is more expensive for us but for us, since this was our, when we started the company, we started out from this and we knew that, okay, our, all our ties have to be made from this material. So we have been able to set the prices after what everything costs. And that makes the business model working for us uh, in a very good way, comparing to maybe bigger companies that have to change their production process again, in order to produce more sustainable, which would mean huge costs for them. That's one of the reasons why I don't think that you just easily change to this type of sustainable production. Right. That's a really good point because you'd have to take an entire factory and and change it, basically. Exactly. And uh, yeah, since we started out this uh, like this, it's, it's easier for us, of course. Going back to the stockings, you have some beautiful colors and different styles. Is that you, Lynn, that designs them, or do you have a team, or is that someone else? We have a, we have a team. We have a production manager, product and production manager here at the Swedish Stockings, and we are actually producing our styles and, and take up the design very closely together with our factory in Italy. They are in the absolute forefront when it comes to both sustainability but also design. So what we do is that we usually go down to Italy a couple of times a year and we look into all these different uh, styles that they are producing. It's like hundreds different every year. And then we pick the one we like the most, (laughs) take them to Sweden, and then we put them up here in our showroom for um, some weeks and we are walking around looking looking at them and then we are adding some putting our extra design to them so to say so we are uh, in a good health from them but we are also uh, as soon as we see something that we like in a magazine or we get inspired by something else for example i find a pair of very old uh, ties uh, at my grandma grandma that was from the 1960s 
Oh, wow. uh, those we sent down to Italy and they produced something similar that is now our Egypt. It's called the style. So it's a lot of uh, inspiration that are coming to us, but we have people that are responsible. And then, uh, of course, the rest of the team is also involved. But uh, it's basically uh, Nadia and Annelie that is uh, responsible for, the, for all the designs. That's awesome. It's so nice that you could take your grandma's tights and yeah. <laughs> make them new again. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of questions about Sweden for you, actually. So over here in North America, we hear a lot about Sweden. So we hear about you guys burning garbage for energy and that you don't really have any kind of landfill issues or anything like that. I'm just wondering if you could weigh in on that at all. Like, do Swedish people think that it's a good thing with your energy creation from waste? Yeah, in general, I think I think so. My experience is actually that since, as you say, we don't have any landfills in Sweden, Swedes are not that aware of how it works in Canada, for example. So uh, the general approach is, is positive, absolutely. Oh, that's really good. That's something that we mm-hmm. talked about in a couple episodes before with Joe Kabinska Foundation. In mm-hmm. Canada, yes, we have garbage collection and we take it and we bury mm-hmm. it in these massive landfills and they are, you know, ventilated and they leak into groundwater and they're they're not good. They're not a good thing. Um, no. And I know Syracuse does this as well, where they, they burn the garbage and produce energy and everything's filtered and clean. Um, so to me, it seems like a, a, a really good idea and people are against it because of the things that come out in the air, but I think that they're so well filtered that there's not a whole lot that really gets out there, which is good. No, I think at least you have to compare it with with what the option is from most Swedes, I think, is that the, the, the option would be worse to just bury them in landfills. So, and, and always, I think it, it's about uh, what's the best we can do right now. And of course, we should always aim for something better, but uh, it's better to do something than just like be laying back and say that we we wait until we can do something even better because we don't know when. So I think that that's the general approach. Does Sweden as well have environmental grants or does your government encourage environmental entrepreneurship? Yeah, in both, both yes and no, I would say. I'm actually going to uh, be a part of a big, uh, we have a big political week here every, every one week during June. Uh, so I will be a part of it. Uh, it's, it's next week now, and uh, be talking about this. And of course, we have some grants, uh, but I think actually that we could do much more. Since Sweden have become a very, I mean, there is a lot of entrepreneurs in Sweden, and also a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that are driven a lot of sustainable companies as well. I think we could actually be even better to support them in uh, different ways. So, uh, of course, we're, the government is, is doing a lot, but uh, I think they can be even better. Mm-hmm. So, as someone who's created this sustainable, eco-friendly business, which is super awesome, a lot of our listeners are young women. So, I'm wondering if you mm-hmm. have any advice for them who are interested in starting an eco-friendly business. Well, I have a lot of advice. Um, but uh, what I think, as a start, I think, Today, when, when you start up a new company, it's the responsibility as an entrepreneur to actually start sustainable companies. And uh, you would do yourself a big favor by doing it as well, because sooner or later, I think that all companies 
have to turn into this more and more. So as I said before, it's much easier to start that way from the beginning because otherwise you have to recalculate your entire business idea. So um, be generous the environment from the beginning and just don't be afraid of uh, of paying a little bit extra for sustainable production, sustainable materials in all ways when it comes to packaging and, and uh, products because the customers will be willing to pay this extra if you also can have the same quality as other products or even better. Uh, and then I would say you always have to make sure that the business also is profitable because otherwise it doesn't matter how sustainable you are. Uh, you won't last very long if the company can't pay salaries or can afford uh, the product. So that's a very important thing to have an aspect from the beginning that you can't live on being sustainable. Sustainable is, some, is an extra value because the customer's We'll just take this for granted uh, in, a, in a very short time, I think. So, well, that, that's uh, to summarize it, I would say then, uh, make sure that your business is profitable. Be sure that you have all your margins at the right place. And don't be afraid of um, pay a little bit extra for actually uh, starting up sustainably, because otherwise, you will have to do it sooner or later anyway, and that will cost you more. I love it. It's that same switch we were talking about earlier, right? Where you might have to, if you have a factory doing something and then to change that, it would be very, very difficult to do. So I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And also when it comes to communication, it's much easier to communicate to your customers from the beginning that you work like this than just change it after a while. And that's not the same trust in that either. So start correct from the beginning. Awesome. So Lynn, what else do you do in your own personal life to reduce your waste or help the environment? I, for example, I, uh, I'm careful with my car. <laughs> I have a car, but uh, try to not use it as, um, as little I can. I try to walk, of course. I always buy ecologic food. During summer and winter, I always buy what we call like seasonal food. So right now, a lot of nice food you can buy. Unfortunately, I live in the middle of the, of the city, so I'm uh, not able to produce them myself. Uh, I also think a lot, of course, about what clothes I am buying. And, of course, I always make sure how we are sorting our garbage, even at home, but also here at the office. So, in, in general, of course, there's other things as well. But I think it has to be, it all comes down to these small things that all people can do. It's not that hard to, to be sustainable. It doesn't have to be extreme. But I think what I more do that is important is that I try to communicate this to people around me. And that is something I think is a responsibility for, for the people that actually are a little bit more aware when it comes to sustainability that we actually communicate this to, to our friends and, and families and neighbors that it's easy to, to do small things and uh, that these small things together will, will be a big impact.
Definitely, absolutely. And then, of course, I, I only wear through the stockings. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing a lot of wonderful things for the environment, and this company is super amazing. I think it's going to be good for our Canadian listeners, too, because if any of us wear skirts at all for, like, eight months of the year, like, we need stockings mm. because it's too yeah. cold. <laughs> I'm sure Sweden mm. is the same. I'm sure it gets pretty cold there for most it, of the year. It's the same. It's very cold here. And and during summer, we always have, I mean, we have a lot of socks. Uh, we have the thinner styles. So we, we, we try to support our customers with, I mean, sneakers, steps, those kind of products that you use during summer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have those little tiny socks that go in your like little summer shoes, you know, but those are pretty neat too, because normally I just wear without socks, but I've been wearing them lately and they're kind of nice. They're yeah. super nice. Yeah, uh, I, I actually have them on me right now. Thank you very much. That was Lynn Frisinger, the CEO of Swedish Stockings. I've tried out their products and I think they're excellent. If you're interested in shopping on their website, it's SwedishStockings.com. And Lynn gave us a coupon code to use. It's Zero Waste Countdown with no spaces for 15% off any items on their website. Thank you for listening. This week on my Countdown to Zero Waste, I worked with my city council to implement the TerraCycle Cigarette Butt Recycling Program. The city purchased a few TerraCycle cigarette receptacles and put them around the city. And we got the city workers on board to put them in a different container. And then we're mailing them into Toronto, which is only a couple hours away from our city. And those cigarette butts are going to be uh, processed. So the tobacco and the paper get separated, if you remember this from the TerraCycle episode. And they get composted. And then the cellulose acetate gets recycled into plastic lumber. So things like decks and park benches, tables, uh, pallets, things like that. Don't forget to subscribe to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast on whichever platform you listen in on. And you can follow me on Instagram at zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, you can find us on Podbean and click the button that says become a patron. Or you can click the little red button that says reward. For as little as $1 a month, you can donate to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show to ensure that we get better equipment and we bring you the latest and greatest information in the zero waste world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown podcast.